Welcome to The 100 Podcast. It's Ed and Charlie here with you. Hope you're well. Today, we are doing a quick update on the women's competition. We were hoping to do a few more episodes on this, but due to work and time constraints and various different things, we haven't been able to watch as much women's cricket as we wanted to. A lot of the games are in the day. Charlie has a job. I've just got a job. I start that next Monday. I've had all the interviews and, and stuff for that. So we haven't been able to watch as much as we'd like but from what we've seen all the games we've enjoyed charlie this tournament so far has been fabulous to watch yeah it's been absolutely superb i think the hundred has been great for english cricket for so many reasons but i think the most obvious benefit we're seeing is in the women's game i think the profile of women's cricket now and the standard of women's cricket has been so high so i think the hundred has been superb for women's cricket and what we've seen is some outstanding individual performances but also i think through these five six games we've had now we've got a real sense of what these sides are and who they are and we're going to talk through some of the more interesting cases and talk about some of the individual performances as well on this podcast. Uh, let's start by going quickly through the state of play and talk about what's going on uh, by going through the table. Each team has played six games now. Manchester Originals uh, have one win out of six, having lost four and having won no result there. They're the first team to be eliminated, I believe. The Welsh Fire and Birmingham Phoenix have won two, lost four on four points. The London Spirit have... Six games done, three wins, three losses. That's six points. The Rockets and the Invincibles have both won three, lost two, and had a no result, which we were at. Fantastic game there. They're on seven points, as are the Northern Superchargers with the same record. And finally, on 10 points, well ahead of the competition, are the Southern Brave, having played six games, won five, and lost one. Charlie, let's start with the Manchester Originals, a team that we had high hopes for, Loads of star names. You've got Sophie Eccleston, Kate Cross. You have some really good overseas in Harlem Creek Gorm, Mignon Dupree, Alex Hartley, World Cup winner. It just, it just hasn't worked. It's been really strange. I remember we did a little preview episode prior to the tournament kicking off, and I think we both rated originals really, really highly. I think I may have actually tipped them to win the whole thing, and, well, a great prediction for me, what a great shout. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's hard to tell exactly what has gone wrong for them why they haven't fired really um ed what's your first hypothesis here well my first take is you know how the london spirit and the men's tournament are just middlesex that's what everyone's (laughs) saying right they they are just middlesex the manchester originals are just the lancashire lightning from the kia super league the lancashire lightning and the kia super league were always the worst team they always had good players you always thought hey this might be their year and then they were terrible. I, I don't. We, nobody really understood why. They had such good young talent. It just, it never worked. They have a lot of the same players. From my perspective, I thought some of the players they had from the Kia Super League were going to take a jump, and to an extent they did. But it just, it, it really hasn't worked. And I think, on my end, I think both the bowling and batting is is an issue. And, and let's start by going through the batting, really. They just don't know what their best order is, Charlie. They've had Sophia Eccleston at five, they've had Georgie Boyce at three, suddenly at seven. Players are jumping all over the place and not one individual batter has scored enough runs to kind of help them through it and, and take the game by the scruff of the neck. It's been disappointing. Yeah, it has. I think you don't want to get too reliant on just one batter really doing the bulk of the work, but sometimes that can be all you need just to scrape through to the, the eliminator round. And that hasn't really happened for them. I, I also think that having a, a set role, I, I personally, I'm a big believer in being able to be flat, 
flexible in your back lineup, but that's obviously great. But equally, you still need to know what your role is to a degree. And I don't think they've really found what that is yet. Like you say, Eccleston coming in at five and six, it's not it's not ideal. Obviously, we know what you can do. She's a good batsman. But I think a bit more clarity in what these guys are doing would be ideal. Yeah, I think Eccleston is one of those players you want to use in that kind of hybrid role up and down the order to add some late impetus. And she's offered something. But I think it says a lot that their leading run scorer, Harman Precor, has only played three games. And I think, obviously, not having her play the whole tournament has been disappointing for them. But nobody's really fired. The, the overseas players, their top scorers, and then it's Emma Lamb with 79 runs in five games. That's an average of 15.8. It just... It hasn't worked. I think Emma Lamb has scored a couple of really nice 30s in the last couple of games, then was run out twice, which I think really, really kind of hurt the momentum a couple of times. It just hasn't worked. And I think the fact they are throwing Georgie Boyce up and down the order, they are trying at least record higher and, you know, throwing everyone about a bit. I just think there is a point of, obviously, you want to be flexible. You want to be different. You want to use players in certain situations. But I think also you need to have a sense of what, what you're going to do in an ideal situation, how you're going to attack each game. I feel like they're going into each game, not quite knowing how they're going to approach it fully. And Trevor Griffin said this in the interview we did with him, the London Spirit women's head coach. He said that he felt it was very important in the women's game to have their roles defined. Uh, And he found that really helped a lot of the players. And I feel like for the originals, that just hasn't happened. Yeah, I think obviously flexibility is, important to a degree but equally I think it needs to be a philosophy I think it needs to be a kind of a process there that, that you back to win yourself the game no matter what the situation is right now I don't necessarily think I know what that is and sure there is one but it isn't entirely clear from my perspective yeah and I also think that the bowling has been more and more of an issue than I thought it would be we looked at this attack originally and thought well, there's a lot of talent here. Kate Cross, obviously fantastic seamer. Sophie Eccleston, one of the best spinners in the world. Alex Hartley, World Cup winner. Those three have been fine, but then they've been getting their kind of fifth bowler overs out of Emma Lamb and Harman Court, which hasn't been fantastic. And then they were swapping Lauren Jackson out, trying the left arm spinner, uh, trying lots of different things. And that bowling attack hasn't really worked either. And then Kate Cross and Sophie Eccleston are trump cards, but the other you know, 12 sets have been issues. And I think what kind of comes into my mind, Charlie, is that their attack is quite, it's not basic, right? They have a lot of high quality bowlers there, but there isn't a great deal of explosiveness or mystery. Kate Cross, great seamer, but she's the only seamer they really have who is of a really high quality. Um, Lauren Jackson has some potential, but I I don't think she's as quite as consistent as they'd like at this point. Sophie Eccleston, really, really good bowler. But they don't have that leg spinner returns it both ways, maybe. You know, Alex Hartley, Sophie Eccleston, good bowlers, but they don't have that mystery. And I think that has hurt them to an extent as well. Yeah, I think the variety in the bowling attack is such a crucial asset in T20 and 100 cricket. You look at all of the, the best teams. Really, Even if you look at the men's tournament, the teams that are doing well have got a lot of variety. You look at Trent Rockets, they've got Rashid Khan, Samit Patel, a lot of spin there. Uh, even the, man, the, the men, the men's Manchester originals, their spin attack, you know, they've got Ackerman, Parkinson, Tom Hartley, Calvin Harrison. They're all playing every single game. That's a lot of, a lot of spin there, a lot of mystery and a lot of variation. I think they've got a lot of bases covered. That's something that you need to win short form cricket. And it is lacking in that originals lineup, I have to say. It's a shame because I feel like I feel like it is just one or two players away from being a lot better. But as it is, it's just lacking that bit of intrigue, I think. And they haven't been taking enough wickets for me. That's another thing. Kate Cross has been fantastic. I do just feel if they had 
you know, a left arm swing bowler, maybe like a, I don't, know, I don't think she's been playing a great deal in this tournament, but someone like a Beth Langston or a Tash Farron or someone like that, just someone who swung the ball up top alongside Kate Cross, who could take wickets to the top. And then you have Eccleston, Hartley, Moore in the middle overs. I think that would help because you can take wickets up top, then to really squeeze with the quality spinners. And look, it just hasn't worked. And that's kind of expected in a tournament like this. You will have a team who have lots of talent who just don't work. That's how short tournaments like this work. You will always have a disappointment team, really. And, you know, I do think there's quality there. I do think they'll come back stronger next year. But what they really need to kind of nail down is their identity, how they're going to go about things. And I do think they need to make a couple of personnel changes because. Literally every player in their lineup have been impressed with, but I do feel they're lacking that that, that either that swing ball up top or that leg spinner with a bit of variety. So we'll see how they go, but they'll be disappointed. They'll be really disappointed because they should have done much better in this tournament. And maybe they are just the Lancashire Lightning. And next year I'll say, hey guys, you know who's going to be good this year? It's the Manchester Originals women's team. They're going to be great. And then they're not going to be. I don't know if it's a cycle like that. We'll see. They need to break it. Uh, moving from the bottom of the table to the very top, we said pre-tournament, I, I said that Southern Brave were the favourites. I think we both agree that Southern Brave were just the best team in the tournament. I backed them to win. I know you fancy the originals just to be a bit different as well. But they have been excellent. Five wins, one loss. You know, They've been absolutely dominant. And I think what you see from the originals is kind of what you don't see in the Brave. They know what their batting order is. They're a really explosive top five. And then they have wicket-taking seamers, and a bit of mystery in Amanda Jade Wellington. And they've just been formidable. Easily the best side in the tournament. You know, we don't know how the, the finals are going to go, but I pin them as easy favourites right now. And as we said pre-tournament, they easily have the best squad. Yeah, I agree. I think having that top order is really, really good for them as well. You look at Mandana, Danny Wyatt, Dunkley. I think if you look at the men's tournament, what you've seen, the likes of Birmingham Phoenix, is that teams have really, really gone aggressive top orders are doing really well. And that's absolutely mirrored here with the Southern Brave. I think they had the best top order and that's why they're probably the best team. I think if you can get off a flyer, as they often do, then that, you're going to win a lot of matches. Simple as that. So, yeah, I think they've recruited well. I think they've set up well and they've got a very clear philosophy, unlike the originals. Yeah, and the thing that really excites me is that Smitty Mandana hasn't really fired yet. She had that good 61 not out, but hasn't had a great deal of runs beside that. Sophia Dunkley's been fantastic. Danny Wyatt's played well, but uh, Stefani Taylor, while she scored runs, hasn't quite exploded yet. That's why I think this team is so exciting because they have so much talent. And Maya Boucher, by the way, at five has been has been really good when she's got a chance. I feel they haven't quite even hit what they could be yet, which I think is so exciting. And that top five, I think, is just dominant. And... I don't know how they got that collection of top order players is basically my point. When you have Mandana, Taylor, Sophia Dunkley, one of the best youngsters out there, Danny Wyatt, England's best T20 batter, in my opinion, and my Boucher is fantastic. You know, there's just so much ability there. And then Andy Shrubshaw down the order as well as an all-round package. And I just think that batting lineup has the ability to take games away from opposition. And I think when you have a team like that, they can just blow you away within... 50 balls basically and win the game there and especially when you have that bowling attack to back them up and I think that bowling attack has also been really really impressive you know as we've seen uh, and as we've talked about previously obviously Anna Strobsol is fantastic but Lauren Bell also brilliant Charlie tall swings the ball takes wickets up top just hugely hugely impressive yeah, she's been superb. I think we highlighted her prior to the tournament going into it as one of the players to watch. We feel like she was probably one who was 
on England's radar, I reckon now. And we, we sort of reckoned this tournament was going to be one that could be really big for her to push for those further honours. And she's really delivered, I think. She's been superb. One of the standard bowlers in the competition by far. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to say, again, I think England is very, very much within her reach now. This tournament will have done a lot of good going forward. So I think she's one to really want to watch. I think she's been great. Absolutely. I think she will play for England. I don't know what kind of time frame we're looking for on that, to be honest with you. It's kind of tough to tell, but I definitely think that that's going to be happening soon. I, I just think she's one of the best young bowlers out there and she won't be able to take the new ball with Shrubsall and Brunt there, but I still think she can offer a lot in the middle overs. So that's good. And then you look at the rest of the attack. Amanda Jade Wellington has been absolutely fantastic and um, turned the ball both ways. Her economy rate has been 4.8 this season. And again, it's a legs who turns it both ways. We've seen it completely tie Catherine Brunt up and not so in the season. And that's such a killer aspect. When you have an economy rate under a runner ball and you're still taking loads of wickets, that, that is the X factor. And I think, yeah, that, that leg spinner, Charlie, as we know, is so crucial. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like we said it a lot on this podcast that if you've got a good leg spinner and the elite leg spinner, you're going to win a lot of games of cricket. And Wellington is really, really going in that direction. You know, if you can get that mystery uh, take the wickets and be economical. Then what more do you need from a bowler? Again, that's something that the originals are lacking, really. Maybe that one bit of mystery, that bit of X factor that, that she offers. So I feel like the Braves have recruited really, really well. Like you say, it is a, it is a mystery how to manage to assemble such a, a, such a huge amount of talent, really. Uh, um, it is almost unfair, <laughs> yeah. but they've done really, really well. And uh, yeah, I think they're easily stand out team, in my opinion. Yeah, and with that bowling attack, then you have Stefani Taylor, who can also bowl, Fee Morris experience, Charlotte Taylor's been in and out the side, but they just have loads of quality. And I think on this podcast, we've said the Brave are the best team, and uh, they're going to be really, really tough to stop as we move forward. Again, going back to the table, the Trent Rockets started poorly. They lost their first two games, but now they're three and two with one no result. They're fourth in the table, looking like they're in a strong position to go and get one of the top three slots, Charlie. And we talked briefly about them in a podcast a couple of weeks back about how they weren't balanced and where they were basically kind of depending on three or four players to completely carry the load, the likes of Catherine Brunt, Nat Siver, um, Sarah Glenn to score loads of runs and take all the wickets, Samuel J. Johnson as well. All of them batting in the top six and all bowling out their allocation. It feels there was a... You know, there was a poor use of their resources in that sense and having wasted players who were just fielding, really. And since that point, they've really worked out how to kind of change things about. And have just, they're using their resources better, basically. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think, I still think looking at them, there is the danger that in future games they do kind of revert to being a little bit top heavy. But I mm. think we've seen some other players stepping up and really addressing that balance and just being a little bit more, I guess, well, balanced, for one of a better word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Heather Graham in particular, I think, is one who's come in and uh, towards the back end of innings, around six or seven, and she's scoring runs, she's scoring useful 40s now, which I think is something that a finisher is obviously just a crucial aspect to have. You can't afford to have all of your best batsmen in top order. Like, obviously, that's where your best players are going to be, but you can't have them all there. You need other batters to be scoring runs too. And I think that there was the danger that that was the case with Severin Brunt at three and four. There wasn't a huge deal after that. And now I feel like there is. Other people are stepping up and I think that's good for them. Yeah, I think when I look at it, I always thought Brunt was a couple of spots too high up yeah, for them. Because I, I think she's a good batter, right? But her main thing is power and hitting boundaries. 
and she's not necessarily somebody who's set up for a big innings necessarily. And I think batting up the order kind of limits the damage she might potentially be able to do. I know we love talking about the fact that your best batter should bat high so they can face as many deliveries as possible. When you do have other guys there who, who can bat, having Brunt down maybe five or six, could add a bit of impetus to the end, come in and hit the ball, you know, I think could have been better, but they're stuck with it. And they're finding runs and wickets from other places. Sammy Jo Johnson's been the leading wicket taker in the tournament. I think she's been fantastic. You know, Catherine Bryce has bowled a lot more. And we've seen, obviously, you know, so some more contributions with the ball um, from Heather Graham as well, which has been useful. They still have, I think, some wasted resources in a sense that I do think they, they could you know be using things better. You know, I think you, you look, um, I think it's uh, Sarah Glenn coming in at six and then you've got, you know, uh, I think Emily Windsor coming in at seven, Abby Freeborn eight and Nancy Harmon and Georgia Davis coming in, I think nine, 10 and none of them are bowling. So I still do think they're top heavy, but they're finding a way about it. And this is the thing, you know, you you'd ideally like to have, you know, those better, I guess, non-international players contributing more. Uh, but if you have got Nat Siver and you have got Catherine Brunt and you have got Samuel Joe Johnson, who's been fantastic leading wicket taker in the tournament, you can blow teams away. So it's a bit of a high variance approach, but they have improved. And it's interesting, actually, when we talked to Trevor Griffin, London Spirit women's head coach, the one thing he said, which I found really interesting, we talked about it uh, before, is that his focus was really when kind of talking to players and setting up the side, a lot of his focus goes on the non-international players because he knows that his internationals, Tammy Beaumont, DeAndre Dottin, um, they've got Chloe Tryon, uh, Heather Knight, he knows they can perform. And then he really focuses on finding a way for the less, lesser known non-international players to kind of find their niche on the side. And Naomi Tatani has been really, really good for them of late. Um, Amara Carr, very good wicketkeeper. And they just, that, that is seemingly a better approach. And I think that is what might hold the Rockets back, but yeah, we'll see. That London Spirit side, by the way, knocked out the Manchester Originals with a fantastic uh, chase today. Uh, yesterday, if you're listening to it now, uh, Deep Sharma played a really nice innings. Heather Knight played well. DeAndre Dawson played well. And, you know, and as we saw, they had some non-international players step up. The likes of Charlie Dean uh, bowled nicely throughout the tournament. Uh, you know, Naomi Zatani's been fantastic, even though she didn't really get going today. It just does feel a bit more balanced. And uh, the London Spirit, Charlie, and um, you know, are aside resurging. And I'm not going to say that's because uh, Trevor Griffin came on the podcast, but they have won two, lost one since he came on. So I think we've had a positive effect. Yeah, what can I say? What can I say? It's uh, cheers, Trevor. It's all down to us, pal. No, um, they have got a lot of quality there. And I, I really would like to echo what he says about the, a domestic core, because as we've seen in T20 franchise cricket, the domestic core is what wins you tournaments, ultimately. You can get a handful of world-class uh, overseas players. Of course you can. But if you don't have a really strong set of domestic players, as well as that, you're always going to struggle because they are ultimately the bulk of your squad. So if you can assemble some really good domestic players, and if you can really hone in on what makes them good and what their roles are and what they're going to bring into the side, then that's how you're going to win tournaments. So I think Terry Griffin has been very clever in assembling that squad in the way he has. Uh, and I think it's good for recruitment. I think that the resurgence is good. I think, it's, I think it's about time. And I'm looking forward to see what they can do in the last couple of games because I think they're a good side. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point you mentioned about having good non-cat players. That's why, you know, the likes of Lauren Bell and Maya Boucher for the Brave are such a trump card. That's why the Welsh Fire are struggling to an extent because Katie George hasn't been able to bowl for them and they just don't have the resources there to field a really strong bowling attack with her injured. And they just don't have maybe the quality of domestic players to, to really challenge. I think that's been a struggle for them. We're not going to actually focus too much on the Welsh fire and the Northern superchargers and the Welsh fire have just struggled. I think we've, I've really enjoyed watching Sarah Taylor play, but I do think that, you know, she, uh, she can't really carry the side and the Northern superchargers we've talked about before how good Jemima Rodriguez has been. Um, she's been absolutely fantastic, really kind of carrying that side to an extent. So we talked about them before um, and we'll move on to the final side that we really wanted to kind of talk about is the Birmingham Phoenix. They won two, lost four, but they are only three points behind the likes of the Supercharged, the Invincibles, the Rockets. If they win two games, they can get to the Eliminator. It's going to be tough for them, and their their future isn't really in their hands. But I think they could be a team who really surges late on, sneaks into that top three, and potentially wins the tournament. Because I think, Charlie, they are finding themselves late on here. Yeah, I think they're starting to find their feet a little bit now. I think they're starting to click. Obviously, you have Verma. She's not really clicked, but she did in that last game, and mm. that was superb from her. And I think if they can keep her in that kind of form, well, as I said earlier, all we need sometimes is one batter to be in form, and that can win you a game. And I think she is that player, potentially. Amy Jones has actually, I think, been really impressive this tournament. You look at the way that she has played in the middle order, I think at times it's tough to come in after the power play and score runs really quickly, but she has very selflessly done that and scored lots of runs in the process, but also at a good rate. And that's been really impressive. Shafali Verma, 76 off 42 yesterday, complimented by Evelyn Jones, 52 off 35. That, you know, that partnership was great. If Verma fires and if the Joneses fire, you know, they've got a real chance. And I think their bowling lineup isn't as strong as the other teams, but I've been impressed with Maxud, obviously. The leg spinner, who's been really fun. Izzy Wong didn't play the other day, but I think she's got that potential to take wickets for them. And ultimately, I don't know if they're going to be able to sneak into that top three, but if they can, I think they're kind of sneaky contenders. Yeah, I think they're potentially dark horses here. Like you say, I don't know if I'm going to quite back them to sneak in just yet, but I it's think tough. They, it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. It is tough, especially at this late stage of the group stage. But I do think they could, in theory. I think they have the resources to do it. And actually, I want to I want to circle back quickly to something you said Ed, about being selfless with their wicket. I think that's something that's so important in the short form of the game. Not valuing your own wicket too much. Sometimes you have mm. to be selfless and just throw caution to the wind and say. I need to hit hard because that is what windy matches. Ultimately, if you get out swinging, sometimes that's okay. Ultimately, in fact, often I'd probably say it's okay because I think the potential benefit is 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 worth it. It outweighs the risk of losing a wicket because ideally you've got someone else who can come in and do the same thing and that they might come off. So I feel like the way the Phoenix play in that mindset is good. And I think it will hopefully pay off for them because I, I rate that process. Yeah, and obviously they'll need to win the next two games. That'll take them to eight points. And then it is kind of tough as the Supercharged, the Invincibles, the Rockets. You need two of those teams not to get a single point from this point. You know, the future's outside their hands, but I do think I've been impressed with what they've offered. And I think they're a team who might come back next year and be really, really strong. If they can sneak into that top three, don't rule them out. Finally, this is more of a general point rather than a point specifically about the women's tournament. But as we talk about 
what might happen here. I think I want to come back to the point. I'm really disappointed it's not a top four with semifinals. Because when I look at both the men's and women's tournament, I feel there's going to be a side left out with this ridiculous eliminator process towards the end that I'd love to see. Like, I would really love to see the Brave versus the Rockets in the semifinal and the Supercharged versus the Invincibles another one. If that was how it was in the women's competition right now, I would love that. I really think that this eliminator thing, I just I don't like it. I think it takes away potentially a team who could win the tournament and potentially a really exciting matchup. I don't know what your thoughts are, Charlie, but I really, really dislike the Eliminator format because I just think it's one less team who could really entertain us. Yeah, my thoughts are pretty similar to yours, actually. I mean, personally speaking, one of the reasons I don't like it is because I'm really enjoying the tournament and I think semi-finals gives you one extra game. And I'd quite like to see one extra game, if I'm honest. But I think in both the men's and the women's uh, leagues here, there is a lot of good teams here and I think it is a little bit unfair that one of them is going to have to miss out on that semi-final because they probably deserve to be there honestly and it is a shame I vaguely see what they're trying to do with it because they want to reward the team who finishes top but they're so close that there's not really one team's obviously better than the rest and that's a shame I think I also don't like that way of doing it because you reward the the top team by letting them play the fourth team. And I know that's not always you know the fourth best team or anything. You might get the third, second or third best team, whatever, depending on results and form. But I just I just think that it I just don't really like it. I think there's a lot of worry in the kind of you know, franchise league circuit about making it fairer and, and chasing things. In the IPLs postseason, I think the team who finishes fourth or fifth have to win like 17 games after the regular season just to get the opportunity to play in the final it's ridiculous you know i don't think it should always be fair i don't think you should be rewarded if you finish first the reward is getting to play the fourth best team i think it should be you know when you get to the semi-finals everybody should have an open chance i think you shouldn't give an advantage to the the best team in the group stages for me that doesn't work i think everyone should be on a level playing field and ultimately that provides you with the best final it provides you with the best semi-finals it provides you with the best postseason process and so i really hope they consider changing it because i think the ipl way of doing it is ridiculous and i hate it i just think semi-finals and final i know i'm very boring and old and i sound like your dad but there is no better formula there is no better formula than that so that's a sorry a slightly moany way of finishing the podcast there <laughs> but um but yes and uh, we've been really been enjoying the women's tournament we'll have a bit more coverage of it uh, as we go over the next week or so we'll be chatting to jack butler uh, one of our mates who has been writing about the trend rockets we're going to talk to him about the women's team a bit more that'll come out uh, later this week uh, obviously we'll talk a lot more um during the tournament and after the tournament we hopefully hope we'll be able to watch a bit more though i start my new job on monday and it's gonna be tough to actually see anything but we're really enjoying the tournament so far uh, we've got loads of great interviews out there obviously we mentioned the trevor griffin one the london spirit women's head coach interview i safely say and i think charlie will nod along in agreement here as i say this is that that is the best interview we have done it was really really fascinating if you want to get a kind of insight into the women's game and how he goes about assembling a really strong squad within it obviously he's won lots of games uh, both in the KSL for the Western Storm and with the Sydney Thunder and their Women's Big Bash and, of course, London Spirit. Now, that's great. Uh, and there's loads of other interviews out there. So go check them out. Uh, please check us out on Twitter at Podcast 100. Loads of great content there. And finally, please review, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. It really, really mean a lot and it would help us out and it would be fantastic. And, oh, final point. If you want to send your mailbag questions in, send them to at Podcast 100 on Twitter. We'll do another mailbag later this week. So thank you very much for listening to The 100 Podcast and we'll speak to you next time. 